0: you want to open up to, if you want to open up to James chapter 1, that's where we'll, that's the main place that we'll read. Thank you, Lord. <clears throat> James chapter 1, and we'll just go as far as we can, I don't have my phone or the clock, so if someone can tell me when it's right, like five minutes till eight, and then I'll wrap things up. And don't cheat and just want to get out of here early because I will believe whatever you tell me. I have 25 minutes? All right. Thank you very much. I can do that. I can talk very fast. <laughs> James chapter 1, and we, we won't get to that yet, so once you find it, you can just put your finger there. and uh, <clears throat> Let me say this. Everyone in this room, we're powerful, and we are more powerful than we think that, think that we are. Um, we can control ourselves, we can control things that happen to us. We can be in authority in our lives. How many people honestly you really believe that like we 're not victims right um, For whatever reason, most people tend to in, in any situation that becomes difficult, where things are, are hard, where you 're going somewhere you 've never gone before or you 're making transitions in your life you 've never made made before, the tendency is to to do whatever hurts you the least or costs you the least am I telling that like if if you have to pick something like oh that's going to hurt really bad then give me the thing that doesn't hurt really bad if you go to the office doctor's office and they say hey we can give you a pill or we can give you this big horse shot which one do you want uh, give me the pill right I'll take the pill because it hurts me the least right or if we, if we say, hey, you can have this thing over here, but this thing is exactly the same, but you can have it for 50% cheaper than this thing over here. Which one of us is going to pay more money for the exact same thing? We want what costs the least. So what happens is I believe that every one of us in the room right now are probably in a place that we've never been before. We're having to make decisions we've never made before. We're in a, in a place in our relationship with God maybe we've never experienced before. And it's not always comfortable there. How many of you have found that to be true, that... This church and what we're doing and what's going on in you personally is not comfortable. I, I will raise my hand. I've been in church my whole life and this isn't comfortable. Um, it's, it's, it's not comfortable. That's why he said he would send us the Holy Spirit to be our comforter. <laughs> he knew we would need a comforter because it's not comfortable. Um, it, it's, it, it, until the flesh is completely just killed, it's not comfortable. to to do the spiritual things constantly because the flesh still has a little bit of say-so in it. So that's why next week or whenever we vote on that other one, we'll talk about the spirit and the flesh. We can't let the flesh have any say-so because it will determine our decisions for us. We can't make decisions in this area that we're in now, in this realm that we've come to, based on what hurts me the least or what costs me the least. See, one time David came before God and he wanted to, David, David was unbelievable. He had a heart for God that that no one has ever had. Um, He had such a heart for God that the Bible says that when Jesus comes back, he's going to sit on the throne of David. Uh, David found a place in God that we're finding now in a new covenant, and David was under an old covenant. David ate showbread from the secret place of God. When, any, when once a year, the, the priest would go in, they would tie a rope to his feet, and if there was anything he did wrong, if he had a pimple, if he didn't clean the earwax properly out of his ears, whatever it is, if he had a sin in his heart or a thought in his head, when he went in there, he would fall dead, and they would take that rope and pull him out of the presence of God, because he didn't do what he was supposed to do. It was a secret, special place, right? And David wasn't even a, a, a priest, he was a king, yet... He and his mighty men ate the showbread, the showbread of the presence of God. He had this relationship with God that no one else had before. And and he wanted to build a temple, a place for God to live. Because the disciples, they had the Ark of the Covenant. And David absolutely loved it. I mean, when he became king, one of the first things he said is, we've got to go back and get the Ark of the Covenant. Because this is at a man's house named Obed-Edom. And we haven't had this Ark in a long time. And it represents the presence of God. And he says, we gotta go get that because he loved the presence of God. So in David's heart was just to be with God. I mean, what was that prayer he prayed? I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than, than to sit in, this, in, this, in the place of the palace or to be in this, this uppity place or this wealthy place. I'd rather be a doorkeeper or I would rather be in that house of the Lord than anywhere else. He had this love and affection for God. And so he wanted to build a tabernacle for God. So one day he's out looking for land Once they get the ark back and he's decided we're going to build a temple for, for God. And he goes to this man and he wants to buy his field and forgive me for not remembering names. And and this is in in, uh, first Samuel, I believe somewhere in there. And he finds this field and the man says, oh, you're the king. I'll give you the field for free. You're not going to buy this for me. You're the king. It would honor me to give you the, the, this beautiful field. And David says, I cannot offer to God something that didn't cost me anything. What an amazing statement. Um, honestly, if, if all of us were in that position right now where we could offer God something and it wouldn't hurt us and it wouldn't cost us anything, human nature wants to do that. Yeah, if it doesn't cost me anything and if it doesn't hurt me in any way or make me uncomfortable, then yeah, I'll do it. But David says, no, I'm not looking for the easy route. I'm looking for the for the route that shows my love for him in the greatest manner. And so he paid for that and that's where um later on you'll read find out they begin to build there but what I'm saying to you is that we we're in that same kind of place right now where we can decide we can do what costs us the least or or makes us the least comfortable but it won't ever satisfy us the only thing that will really satisfy when we say I don't care how much it costs I don't care how much it hurts I just want to be with you like the song Kyle says I don't care what it costs anymore I just want to be with you and that's got to become our cry um for some reason, we gotta, we've allowed that victim thing to come in, or that thing we don't want to hurt. We don't want to be put out. We want to know. We want to understand before time comes. And, and, and I'm one of those people that I want to know what's going to happen before it happens so that I can have a prepared reaction rather than a real reaction. Right? Have you ever, someone's ever called and you said, hey, when you get home, there's some big problem. I've got to talk to you about it. And, you, and what is the first thing you say to them? What's it about? You can't just leave me hanging on because I don't want to just walk into this big mess and I don't know how I'm going to react, right? We want to be able to prepare ourselves, right? Um, yeah, 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 we want to be proactive. We want to be able to determine how we're going to react to this thing, right? But the thing that's going on right now is God's calling us to a new place. He's calling us to a new spiritual walk with him and to a new um, atmosphere that we've never been before and we can't, we're not going to know. There's mystery involved in this. Did you guys know that? Did you know that it's actually even called the mystery? I, th- I think it's in in one of the in First Peter, Second Peter, someone there it says we're alive in this mystery. We're alive in the mystery of God. Like we've got to learn to embrace the mystery and embrace that which costs me something. Embrace that which makes me uncomfortable, not just to be uncomfortable for being uncomfortable, right? But I mean, if it's the way the Lord wants me to go, then I can't create a detour around pain or discomfort. I need to just go through it because the Lord doesn't want us to live in a place where we're always looking for a way to not give more. What's the least amount I can give and still get the full benefits of being a son or a daughter of God? The Lord wants to begin to shift our thinking to where we don't think about what's the least amount I can give. He wants to shift our thinking to where we say, you know, what's the most that I can give so that I can pursue this thing? Is everybody still with me? I don't even know how I got into all that. If you're reading my notes, it's not even anywhere on there. Maybe I should make notes. (laughs) All that to say, (laughs) you're powerful and you can determine what's going on right now. That doesn't mean you order what's going on right now, but you can determine how you react to it, whether you say yes or say no. You guys still with me? Everyone, you can say yes or you can say no, but what you cannot do is not say either one. It, it, did you do this thing? And you know they did it, and if they don't answer you, you know that's a yes, right? <laughs> so it doesn't, you can't say maybe, or I don't want to answer that, I want to plead the fifth on this, you know, no, yes or no, your yes be yes, your no be no, you can't, you can't evade saying one or the other, and right now God's calling every one of us to a new place, and will you say yes or will you say no it's it is up to you now what i want to tell you is that if you say no like i'm not ready for this right now the lord will pour on his uh, his love and his gentleness and his goodness and in a time after this you'll want to say yes because you'll be like oh he's so good i why did i say no before how many are there right now like you're in a place now because of what i just described Like, you would have said no before, like, man, this is ridiculous, I can't do this, this is not me, and then all of a sudden, God began to reveal his kindness, begin to reveal his goodness, you start to think, all this religious stuff isn't as crazy as I thought it was before, it's kind of, actually makes sense, And, and all that happened because God began to open himself to us, and because he's so good, it draws us to him, so we still have the ability to say yes or no, but God still, just, he'll just show us more of himself, and we're like, why did I ever think I should say no before, because... He's so good, right? You guys still with me? Yeah. So the Lord says you have power. In the garden, when he, when he, gave, when he created man, he gave him the right to choose. Um, I like to always re- refer to this because I, I don't want you to forget that there were two trees in the garden. I mean, there were hundreds of trees, but there were two <laughs> important trees in the garden, right? <laughs> one of them was the tree of knowledge of good and of evil, and one was the tree of life. And he told them, you can eat of any tree in the garden, you can eat any tree you want to, but don't eat of this one tree, because when you eat of this tree, your eyes will be open, you'll know good from evil. And if God really wanted to control man, wouldn't he have just taken that tree out of the garden from the beginning? Like if God's real, like if his agenda, his secret agenda from day one was to make man love me, if that was his agenda... He would have taken that tree out from day one. It never would have been an option. But he loved us so much that he gave us the options to choose. Because God's not looking for coerced love. He's not looking for love that's pressured. He's looking for love that comes from a heart that's in love with him, right? And because he loved us so much, he gave us the right to choose. And it's still that way today. Every one of you, wherever you're at right now, whatever spiritual thing you're going through, whatever um, uh, climate he's brought you into you've never been in before, um, he's still giving you two trees. He's still giving you options. He's still saying you can say yes or no. I'm not going to make you do this, Michelle. You can say yes or you can say no. Kathy, it's totally up to you. Here are the options. This one's real beautiful and shiny, but here are your options. You can choose. And I feel like God's so gentle in that way. And and he doesn't force himself on us. He's a perfect gentleman. How me believe that? He's just a perfect gentleman. And I love the, the thought that he believes in me enough to give me the choice. I want you to think about that for a second. He believes in us enough that he gives us the choice. Like, he lets us choose. He makes us powerful enough and free enough to where we get to decide. Now, what does that say about him? Pretty good, huh? But what does that say about us? We were created in his image. And he has full confidence that we're going to do the right things. He has full confidence in us. Amen? Amen. Hmm. Now, he he gave us a a gift called discernment. Has anyone ever heard the, the word discernment? Yeah, the word discernment, um, there's another text that says distinguishing between the spirits. Uh, the gift of discernment is literally being, being able to know the difference between what's right and what's wrong, or between what's good and what's bad, what's a good option and what's a bad option. The, the Lord has placed inside of every person ever born the ability to understand the difference between right and wrong, and it did come from the garden. It came from that, that, that moment when they, their eyes were opened and they could distinguish between what was good and what was bad, Right? So we all have inside of us the the ability to discern. Um, For for some of us, we use the discernment um, as a weapon instead of as a tool. What I mean by that is, for me, for someone like me who's been in church for a long time or um, who has had trust issues with people, I have used my discernment to determine whether or not I could trust somebody. I used it as a weapon or as a shield. To discern, okay, I don't know if I don't. That person is kind of squirrely. I want to stay away from them. I don't know if I trust them. So I use the gift of discernment to try to discern someone else. When the gift of discernment was mainly given to us to discern for ourselves what's right or what's wrong, it's more of a personal gift. That doesn't mean that we don't distinguish spirits when we go somewhere. If you have you ever been somewhere and it just had a really evil, weird feeling to it, like you picked up on it. You're like, well, this just doesn't feel right. Well, that's a spirit of discernment. That's a gift of discernment. You're distinguishing spirits, and that's okay. But it's never meant to be a judgmental thing. It just means I don't want to make myself available to that spirit that's in this room. I want to be um, apart from it. I'm not going to partner with it. As a matter of fact, I want to shift it to where that spirit moves from this room, and I can create a different atmosphere, right? But it's never used at other people. We've grown up in a society where we're so judgmental everyone's our whole media system is based on judgmental um mentality am i telling the truth Every, television everything is, is we're trying to dig up dirt on somebody um I, i've always made this point about american media and now it's worldwide media is we want to find the the hard luck story we want to find the person that no one knew about and we want to turn them into some greek god we want to find the Josh Hamiltons who has a horrible drug story and he just rebounded it. and we want to build him up to where he's like this hero like he's Zeus and then the media will suddenly now try to find out little things he does wrong to say oh see he was what we thought he was originally and then they'll build him up just to tear him down it's this this evil judgmental thing we do it to political leaders we do it to movie stars movie people we do it to all kinds and we do it to our neighbors we do it to our spouses we judge, we, we discern, and we figure things out, and, and it's never meant as a weapon. It's always meant as a tool to understand things. And discernment, for the most part, is supposed to be where I can figure out what, what I need to do, where I can be in control of myself. I can distinguish the, the roads here ahead. This one's a good road. This one's a bad one. I can make my decision to take the good road. And so I just wanted to throw that in here because every one of you, you're powerful, you can make decisions, you have choices, and you have this gift of discernment. Um, and so I want us to begin to, to, to mold that gift in our life and begin to let it um, uh, be manifested in our life as a self-inventory type gift where we're always taking care of ourself. Um, I love how in Matthew, um, there's the story that says, um, why are you worried about the speck or the splinter in your neighbor's eye when you have a two by four in your own eye? You know, it's like, he says, first, take the splinter out of your own eye. Get, take care of that. Then you'll be, be able to properly see how to help your neighbor with the two by four in their eye. But until you take the splinter out of your own eye, then what are you even worried about the other person? <clears throat> Am I telling the truth? And so we, we use that, um, hip, we throw that word hypocrite around so often. Well, this is, our, my business is full of hypocrites or full of uh, uh, catty people or the church has hypocrites and no that's that's misusing the gift of discernment that's seeing the two by fours in other people's eyes yeah and i think actually i I misquoted. i think it's actually a speck in your brother's eye but you're the one with the two by four (laughs) yeah that sounds a little bit more right as i listen back and hear the echo off the wall back there um generally once we fix what's wrong with us other people don't look so bad Once we take control of ourselves and how we're going to respond and how we're going to react and, and how we're going to be in any situation, once we take care of us, all of a sudden, things didn't seem like such a big deal. Um, I know that for, for me, uh, I was talking earlier about liking to know um, stuff before it happens because I, I never knew how I would react. you never know. You may get a crazy reaction out of me, right? And so I'm having to learn now to be in control of my emotions no matter what happens no matter whether I get good news or bad news, I'm going to react from this perspective. And now all of a sudden when I get bad news, then it's totally a different reaction from me, right? Because I'm making a conscious effort to take care of me first, right? You guys okay? <clears throat> now that we're powerful and we remember how powerful we are, following Christ should be very simple. He initiates, we respond. We hear God's voice, we do what he says. It's, it's our choice, but it should be very easy to decide to go the way he's going. Obeying Christ is the wisest expression of freedom that we could ever, that we could ever do. It's the wisest thing we could do, just saying yes to him and to doing things his way, because he knows everything, and there's no evil in him. You guys know that? Like, God doesn't even think bad thoughts about us or about anything. There's no evil in him at all. There's no perversion, there's no twisted thinking in his mind, there's no anger, none of that is inside of him. He's pure goodness and mercy and faithfulness and, and grace and all these things. So for, for me to get concerned about obeying him, why would I be afraid to obey someone who's 100% good, who has, a, has my best interest at his heart? Why would I fight that? Why would I want to be rebellious against the the most perfect thing in all of creation? Why would I be afraid to do what he asked me to do? Don't I think he knows best? So what is that thing that comes inside of human nature and causes us to rebel against the one who's really on our team? What is that? It sure is an ugly thing. For me to rebel against the one who made me, who's really good to me. It's the complete opposite of God. It's the complete opposite spirit that God operates in. It's that lack of trust. <clears throat> and the Lord wants us to know that following him, trusting him, it's always going to work out for our benefit. He doesn't do things to hurt us. How many believe that? Like he, doesn't, he doesn't want us to be hurt. He really wants good stuff to happen to us. <clears throat> so when we obey um, God, we're partnering with him. And when we do that, we, we're saying yes to what he has purpose for us. Um, If you would, go to James 1, and we're going to read a couple of scriptures, and then we'll close things out pretty quick. Am I doing good? (laughs) I got five minutes? Perfect. James 1, verse 22. It says, don't merely listen to the word and just deceive yourself. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror. And after looking at himself, he goes away immediately and forgets what he looked like. But the man, I love this scripture, so it's awesome. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in everything he does. But the one who looks, perf- looks intently into the perfect law that gives liberty, See, there was a law that was restrictive. There was a law that brought control. There was a law that said no. Now there's a new law that says yes. Hello? There's a new law that gives freedom. And if we'll look into that law, into the new covenant, into the the relationship we now have with the Father and with Jesus and with Holy Spirit, if we'll look into that and abide in that relationship and not walk away from that, we'll be blessed in everything that we do. How many want to be blessed in every area? That's the key right there. Just looking into Him. <clears throat> All right. A couple more things. Obedience is not measured by our ability to obey laws and principles. Did you guys know that? Like when God's grading on whether or not we're obedient or not, He doesn't go, uh, Did they do rule number one? Did they do rule number two? Did they do rule number three? Okay, they've been obedient. That's not how He grades obedience. God grades obedience like this. You ready? Did they respond to my voice? Did they respond when I initiated? Did they do what they heard me say? That's how he grades obedience. See, there are times where I can go back and I can find laws that God has told me to do or not do that can contradict a a specific place that I'm in right now. Did you guys know that? Like, you can be in a, in, a, in, a, in a situation in life that if you really want to, you can find a scripture or a law somewhere in the Bible that will back up the thing that you want to do in your heart that's completely against what God wants you to do, but you're like, it's in the Bible, and you're saying, it's a law, it's what he told me to do, but it's not what he's telling you to do right now. Did you guys know that? Because there's a big difference between the preceding word of God and the proceeding word of God. Why don't you say it with me? Proceeding. The Bible says, man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds, that comes out of the mouth of God. What he means by that is, we can fall into a trap and begin to obey things that he told us to do years ago, which if he told us to do them, then keep doing them until he says don't do it. But what we can do sometimes is, is substitute what he's telling us to do right now, because we don't want to, and we can call it obedience by saying, but we're doing what you told us to do over here. Moses, the first time he comes to a rock, he's like, God, these people are driving me crazy, they're thirsty, there's millions of them, they're driving me bonkers, they sound like gnats just complaining, and they're, would you please give them something to drink? He says, what's in your hand? He's like, I have a staff. He goes, take your staff, go over to the rock, and strike the rock, and when you do, water will come out of it, and everyone here will be able to drink from it. So Moses takes the rod, goes over to the the rock, strikes it, water comes out of it, and gives water for every one of the Israelites. He's like, oh, pretty cool. They come back around again sometime later to the same place. They're complaining again. They're thirsty. They've been in the desert. And they're they're crying out, Moses, did you bring us here to die? God, what's your problem? You want us to die? Give us something to drink. And God says, You hear them, God? Here they are again. They're complaining, they're murmuring, they're whining about not having water. And he's like, Moses, go speak to that rock and tell that rock to bring forth water, and it'll happen. And in his anger, Moses did what God told him to do before, and he struck the rock instead of speaking to it. Now, what did God tell him to do the first time? Strike the rock. So striking the rock should have been okay the second time, right? No, because he gave him a new word. He gave him a new word. It was called the proceeding word. See, manna was only good for the day that it was given. Did you guys know that? Like, except for on one day, on the sixth day, they could gather two days and it would last. But when they would gather up the manna, they couldn't gather up like a week's worth. They would wake up in the morning and this manna would be all over the ground and they could gather up as much as they could have for the day. And if they tried to store up, you know, a bunch in their closet for the rest of the week, it would spoil and go bad and would get worms in it. They could only eat what they could have for the day. That's the way God's word is for us. It's, it's his word for our season. It's it's word for our moment. And if we try to store up the things that he said yesterday and just apply it haphazardly to areas of our life and call it obedience, instead of saying, God, what are you saying right now? See, sometimes we want to call it obedience because we don't want to have a conversation with him because we're afraid what he'll tell us to do. So we say, Well, God, I'm doing what you told me to do. I'm being obedient. And he's going, You haven't even asked me what I want you to do right now. Has anyone ever had something like that happen? I have tons of examples that go through my head right now of where I was like, Well, God, I'm doing what you told me to do. He's like, No, you're not listening to me today. It doesn't make what he said yesterday wrong for yesterday. It just means for right now, he's giving me a word that's a proceeding word. It's a word for this season. And, and, and the word from yesterday, it was great for yesterday. It gave me strength to get to where I am now. And there are obvious truths that we don't ever abandon, right? There are obvious foundational truths that will always be true. But I'm talking about these, these things that, um, that are uh, like formulas for our life that are just handwritten for you. And and we often, we will find ourselves in life, come back to the same kinds of situations. Am I telling the truth? Like, w- w- maybe we did real well last time, maybe we did bad, but we'll find ourselves in a similar situation. And I know for me that there have been many times where I've applied what he told me to do last time to now, and it didn't work. And I'm like, God, I'm, I'm doing what you... He's like, you didn't ask me today what I want, what I want you to do for today. And it's just this simple thing. Can you hear my voice? Can you do it? And the Lord's really... Trying to teach us, look, obedience is, is, is important because you're in control of yourself. You're, you're in freedom. You have the ability to choose. Choosing to do what I ask you to do is the most wise thing you can do, right? And you can hear my voice and you can do what I ask you to do. So obedience isn't whether or not I checked off a list. It's whether or not I did what he just told me to do. Everybody good? All right, we'll quit for tonight. That's what we call radical obedience. There's obedience and then there's radical obedience. Like radical obedience is, God, what do you want me to do right this second? Okay, I'm going to do that. Whatever it is. I don't care. I have no agenda, God. I have no preconceived ideas of what I would like to do here. What do you want me to do? Because that's what I'm going to do right now. And that's where the Lord's trying to bring us as, as, as children of God. Um, and I want you to know this, that it's the safest place we could be. It feels, honestly, for some, it feels like it's a scary place. Um, You feel like your options have been restricted, but they haven't. I feel like I'm speaking specifically to to a a couple of people. Like, it, it feels like it's doing this to you, right? But let me explain. That's what happens when you come into the kingdom. When you first come into the kingdom, everything does this. Everything gets squeezed down and it becomes so uncomfortable and it gets so tight. But once you make that decision, that final yes, it does this again. And it opens up where everything's possible. The Bible says that broad broad is the way that leads to destruction but narrow is the way that leads to life and many many uh and few find it or whatever but what he's saying here is that i believe with all my heart that 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 road narrows as you begin to come as you come into the kingdom and it squeezes and it's painful and it feels weird and it's like this is so not what i'm norm- normally doing i'm not used to being like this or thinking like this and then once you make it okay i'm going to submit to this thing you slide into the kingdom and then all of a sudden it limitless possibilities all all of a sudden it becomes limitless so if you're one of those now and you feel like that constricting like oh my god i'm gonna lose my breath i feel like everything's closing in that's how i felt that i understand what you're going through i understand that feeling of not having your options right but that that season will pass as soon as you just say okay lord i give up right they say like if a boa constrictor wraps around you to, to not fight it because as you fight it and you, you do all that stuff then it constricts tighter on you and it constricts tighter so just say yes to him and then once you just peace will come and then all of a sudden it will open up again all right so I feel like that's for a couple of people um everybody good well Lord we we thank you um I thank you for making us powerful people I thank you that you didn't birth us into the kingdom, or birth us into life, and then take away our, our power, and, and make us just with no power, no, no decision making. You made us completely in control of ourselves, and we thank you for that. And so God, I just, first of all, I pray for those that feel that restriction right now that's come. I pray that you would, would help them not to run, and not to freak out. It's okay. It's all right. Take away that claustrophobic feel. I understand fully that feeling. I ask that you would take that away, and show them, the limitless possibilities that's in, that are in your kingdom, that it's worth it. It's worth the price. It's worth um, the, the uncomfortable feeling. It's worth even the pain because we get you <laughs> and your endless possibilities. You, there is nothing that you can't do and won't do. And so, Father, I ask that you would be with everyone here no matter where they're at in their walk. I ask that you would make them very sensitive to your voice. I ask that you would help them to be completely in full control of themselves. uh, That they will walk in the freedom you've given them to be in control of their lives and to be partners with you and to be completely obedient, Lord, to see breakthrough in every area. And God, last thing, I ask that you would bless every one of them. I ask that you bless them above and beyond. Like the verse we read, Father, I ask that everything they do would be blessed as they begin to see and look into you and become just like you. And uh, we thank you for it and we love you for it. Amen. Amen.